Thank you, and I also have my sweetheart here. Ruth is, uh, has joined us here this morning as well. You know, when I was sitting in these uh, chairs here, or the benches back then, um, the, the visitor who used to be a prairie student or whatever would come and tell all sorts of stories about when they were here. Well, I decided that if I ever came back, I wouldn't tell any stories, so that's it. No more stories. I like your theme that you have. I'm going to put this down. I like the theme that you have. So, who am I? You know, if you don't know who you are, you also don't know why you're here. Our son Eric had a job, a good job, with uh, Shell Oil in Caroline area. And uh, obviously he did a good job because they liked him. But then when the oil stuff started to happen, somebody in Holland decided they were going to lay off people. And uh, they told Eric, you'll never be laid off, we need you. But one day the news came down, Eric, they're laying you off. But they wanted to keep him around for the skills that they had. So what they did is they laid him off of that job, but they kept him. So he had an office, but he didn't have a job. They paid him, but he didn't have a job. (laughs) And he said, I would go in and wonder, why am I here? Like, what am I supposed to do? Well, eventually they ran out of patience and quit paying him. And he found another job. If you don't know who you are, you don't know why you're here. Our scripture reading today, Jesus describes us as branches. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches and most importantly, branches that produce fruit. What is key in this image of the vine and the branches is this phrase, remain in me, abide in me. When you get that, you understand who you are. Let's read this scripture together. It's found in John chapter 15. And we'll read the first verse, the first Eight verses. And you know, I'm going to get you to stand and read together with me. It's there on the screen. Let's read it together. I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire to be. 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You may be seated. I don't know if you noticed as you read through this passage that what actually is happening here, Jesus is challenging Satan's lie. Satan says, you don't need to abide. You don't need to remain. You can be your own God. Do your own thing. Remember in Genesis, he said to Eve, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You don't need God. God is actually holding out on you. Live your own life. You won't become a dead branch. Abide in him. And he rebelled against God and convinced Adam and Eve and all of us, we don't need God. We can do our own thing. And he dragged into this not only mankind. He dragged into this angels who we know now as demons because of believing that lie. Listen to Jesus' challenge again to those lies. No branch, no branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in me. Or he says, you bear fruit, you, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's impossible. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withered. You know what that branch is that is thrown away and withered? What uh, people in the vineyards call that branch that goes and doesn't produce any fruit? Suckers. And I thought, now isn't that applicable? If you believe the lie... You won't produce fruit. You're a sucker. Now here comes our purpose. Listen carefully. As a branch that abides in the vine, as a branch that produces fruit because it receives the miracle of life from the vine, you are then a living proof that Satan is wrong and that God alone is God and he's the one that provides eternal life. You are a branch connected, remaining in the vine and because of what is in the vine The power is there. The miracle is there 
to produce fruit. And in the producing of that fruit, remaining in the vine and producing that fruit, you are making it to that declaration. God alone is God. Satan, you are wrong. And it's not only a, comment, a con condemnation of Satan and his lie, it is also a call to mankind and to all created beings that we only find life by remaining in God. Our lives communicate, come to God and remain in him. This is your purpose here on this earth. That's who you are. Those who remain in me, Jesus said, and I in them will produce much fruit. So what is this fruit? Well, you probably have an idea. This fruit is a changed life. A life that is filled with the miracle of God's grace. You read about it in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 2. The fruit of the Spirit is, hey, read this with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit is a changed life. A life that's not possible without being connected to the vine. But in being connected to the vine, it is a life that proclaims, God alone is God. Satan, you're wrong. And then Jesus sums up his statement in verse 8 when he says, this is to my Father's glory. What is this? The fruit. The fruit that stays connected to the vine. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When we know who we are, when we know why we are here, our lives proclaim that God alone is God. He performs a miracle in our lives so that we bear fruit. I like the way the message puts this. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce fruit, when you mature, as my disciple. There's another picture that Jesus gives us that tells us the same thing. It's from the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 and verse 14, where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When you are connected to the vine and somebody is walking through that vineyard and sees the fruit hanging 
And they say, there is a God. There is a God who cares. There is a God who changes us. That's our purpose. Here's the final conclusion that I see from all of that picture that is there. I want you to imagine that we've come to the end of this earth. We've come to the end of all of the people that have lived on this earth and will live on this earth. And we've come to the place where now we are gathered together at Jesus' judgment seat. I want you to see this huge amphitheater. All across the seats up here are the angels that have been serving God in heaven. Seated down below are all of those demons that believed Satan's lie and said, I don't need God. Sitting here on the right are those who abide in the vine and their lives have been changed. They are filled with the fruit from the vine. And over here are those that have believed that lie and said, I don't need God. This verse shows up several times in Scripture. Philippians chapter 10, verse 11. And at the name of Jesus, see this crowd? At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow! The argument is settled. God alone is God. He is Lord. And you and I are the demonstration that brings glory to God by the fruit in our lives. He has changed us. He's poured the power into our lives. He's the one that has produced the fruit as we have allowed his power to flow through us for his glory to demonstrate to all the world, to all of creation, God is a mighty God. He is the only God. I've sometimes asked the question, God, you're going to get rid of Satan in the end. Why didn't you do that right away? <laughs> the argument wasn't that God was more powerful than Lucifer. The argument simply was, do you need to submit to God? Where is that demonstrated? In the branches, in you. That's why you're here. That's who you are.
and you're not alone. I tried to plant some grapes on an acreage that we lived for a while. And I found some, some roots and some twigs that were on sale. <laughs> and I planted them. And they struggled away and tried to show some... It, you know, it just didn't really impress. There wasn't a lot of glory that went to the vine or to the grapes. I've walked in vineyards, rows of them. You look at them and you see the grapes hanging. I love grapes. <laughs> you see them hanging there and you look at that and you say, wow, wow, who is the gardener? We look at the church. We look at what God has done all over the world Today in other countries more than in Canada and the U.S. Everywhere. And it is, oh God, wow. We've been, uh, I've been going through a teaching session with some of the people in our church about how do you tell your faith story? This last Sunday, I said we were going to give them an opportunity to share their faith story. Some of them stood up fearful and for the very first time in their lives publicly declared, I am a follower of Jesus. Stuart stood up to share his story. He told us about the abusive home that he came from. He told us about the terribleness that was in his own life and the worst of which was his addiction to alcohol. He stood and wept before us and said, I just couldn't quit. It was destroying my life. Until finally I said, got on my knees and said, Jesus, if you don't help me, I'm going to continue this way. And he said, I didn't hear any sounds, no trumpets, no thunder. But I felt the peace I'd never felt before. For the first time in my life, I slept all night long. And in the morning I got up when I'd usually have to have a drink. And I never needed it and I haven't had it since. What a God. Can you just see the power flowing from the vine into that life and delivering him and setting him free? What a witness to say there is a God. He can be trusted. He cares. He loves He's changed my life. And for the rest of eternity, the church, you and me, will be the demonstration that says the answer has been, has been settled. God alone is God. You can trust on him. He gives us life, eternal life. 
I keep thinking that when we go through heaven for the rest of eternity, those of us that have been all here on this life and we've been rescued by God, we've been changed by God, and for the rest of all of eternity, wherever we go, we're going to hear praises to God. It may be that they'll look at me and say, wow, now that took a mighty God. <laughs> but he did it. He did it. That's why you're here. That is who you are. Let's pray. Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thanks that you were willing to take us sucker branches and pour your power into our lives so that we would be able to produce the fruit that you pour through our lives to bring glory to your name. Oh God, that you have chosen us for this. We're amazed. And our heart's desire Lord, what we want more than anything is flow through us. We are connected. We want to stay connected and allow your glory to be demonstrated in our lives. We love you. Thank you. Amen. So do you have questions? Well, here we go. How do you suggest we press into pruning in our lives? Oh, I knew that would come up. Because it does say here in this passage, Jesus says that he, those branches that are abiding, that are, um, I prune so that they will produce more branches. I read this in a piece that comes out of the, a magazine called Growing Table Grapes. Here's what he said. Home grape growers don't prune their vines enough. When gardeners prune, they should remove the majority of the wood produced the previous season until about 90% is pruned off. You didn't want to hear that, did you? <laughs> uh, another professor in a, in a college that teaches uh, vineyard stuff, she said, when you're doing the pruning, they bleed a lot, but don't be alarmed. As I was reading their stuff that they put down, I think, you guys, you're preaching a message and don't know it. The pruning is God helping us to produce even more fruit. You don't have to wait for it. God's trying to do it. The problem with us is, is we keep pushing 
the clippers away. <laughs> Instead of saying, oh God, whether it's here at college, whether it's at home in my situation, whether it's in my relationships with people, help me to accept your pruning. You know, one of the things I keep having to tell church people is this. God intentionally sends people into our lives who are downright miserable and ornery. Did you know that? He intends them to be there. That's what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. You can love people that love you. You don't grow a bit. The world can do that. But it's when I send those miserable people in your lives and now you have to trust me. That's pruning. That's pruning. And he says, love them. Oh, you're right. <laughs> you love them. So we, we look for ways in which God is pruning in our lives. We don't have to like it. We may bleed, but we say, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I can tell you care. Another question? Yes, sir. So, Pastor Ron, uh, I had to shout hallelujah when you told the story of where your church member was touched yeah. by the power of God yes. to save him from alcohol. I'm wondering in your pastoral experience, why is it that we have minimized and we have pushed that divine touch into the corner and don't speak of it as often as we ought? We... I guess the simple, simple answer is this. We think we can manage on our own. We believe in God, but somehow we get this idea. We still get that lie spoken to us that somehow I can work this out. And somehow if I can work this out, God's going to love me more. It doesn't work. Let's read the, read the scripture. It is recognizing that it is only God that makes those changes in our lives. And we need to be recognizing that without God, there's no fruit. And so if I want fruit, I've got to trust him. I've got to be willing to do what he says. If we keep reading chapter, verse 9 in this, Jesus says, I will love you as the Father has loved me. And then he goes on to say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we get this wrong. We think, oh, God's giving me these commandments and telling this is what I have to do. And I guess I better do it. That's wrong. Flip it. God, I love you. What do you want me to do? That's 
Every relationship works that way. My dear, beautiful, wonderful wife, we don't always agree. But because I love her, because she loves me, we'll do whatever we can to deal with that. It's love that comes first, and then the commandments are no problem. Except that they're usually pruning sessions. <laughs> Any other question? Can I, can I just add to that one before you go there? Oh. oh, now you're in trouble. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to answer to that uh, gentleman that spoke about why we push it into the corner. And I'm not so sure that a lot of us do so much as it takes as great of a grace of God to deliver in the way that Stuart was delivered as it is for me, for God to deliver me from my addictions, not alcohol maybe, but my addictions in a long-term stretch. I need as much faith to go through the day continuing struggling as it took for Stuart to believe that God would deliver him just like that. I think it goes both ways, and God is great in both cases. Thank you, dear. The question is, if I'm not producing fruit, am I still following God? Am I still committed to God? You know, you don't have to read very far in the Bible to discover people that God loved. He put their stories in the Bible to tell us that there are times when we don't do a very good job of abiding and the fruit is pretty obvious. We'll all go through that. If you say you have not sinned, John wrote later in his epistle, you're lying. You will go through that. The point is to recognize it. To recognize it when you see what's happening, the difficulties that are showing up. And you blame somebody else for it. You'll see that when somebody comes and, oh, I wish this would happen more. Somebody coming to me and putting their arm around me and saying, Ron, you know, I see this in your life. Let's talk about it. I have to recognize that God wants to do that to bring me back into that relationship. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to say this. So was it, you know, we talk about Stuart's addiction to alcohol. There is another addiction, and I, I'm saying this because I just spoke on this uh, two Sundays ago. There is another addiction that is worse than alcohol. Pornography. You can't break that on your own no more than you can break alcohol on your own. It ruins lives. And there is a greater percentage of believers never mind people in the world, there are a greater percentage of men who are addicted to pornography than anyone who is addicted, than the percentage of men that are addicted to alcohol. Gentlemen, all of us, 
Go to the cross with that one. And get help. You can't do it on your own. It's the church that's there for that, to help you through that. God bless you. Stay remaining in the vine. And remember why you're here and who you are. God bless you.